Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Burn It Down Racing Podcast. This episode will be recapping the All-Star and Texas races, NASCAR's announcement about qualifying, and Keselowski's comments about demoting drivers to lower series. Well, we had the All-Star race on Wednesday. It was mixed reactions. I mean, we had the new number placements, uh, the undergoing the lights, and the debut of the Choose Cone. Um... You know, I I personally didn't think it was that good of a race. Um, but, you know, Eric Almirola wins stage one of the Open. You know, no practice, no qualifying. So that was interesting to see drivers go straight on a dirty track. William Byron ends up winning stage two. Mandy D ends up winning the whole Open. Clint Boyer ends up with the fan vote. And Chase Elliott wins the All-Star race and cashes in for a million bucks. I'm with you, Ben. I the all-star race, I don't know, something about it being in Charlotte was just so much better. And I think a year for experiment this year, especially with teams on different budgets, uh, I know some of them were struggling to afford making it to the race. I don't think this was the year to test out Bristol, but hopefully it goes back to Charlotte. But we also had action at, uh, at Iowa. We had two IndyCar races and an ARCA race. The IndyCar had a doubleheader weekend. Simon Pagano ended up winning the first of the race, and Team Penske was extremely strong all weekend there. Joseph Newgarden ended up winning the second uh, the second race, and there was a crazy wreck in the first race with Colin Herta, and he ended up shooting over. I can't remember who he flew over, but it was it was a crazy wreck. And I remember me and my friend were just we were on like the phone together watching, and it was crazy. I didn't expect that to happen at Iowa, but. Arca hit the track there before race two for IndyCar, and Ty Gibbs ended up winning that grandson of Joe Gibbs, the team owner for Joe Gibbs Racing. And then finally on to Texas, where it was on the weekend intertwined with the IndyCar and the Arca. The Xfinity race, Austin Sendrick wins the Xfinity race at Texas, but it was in weird circumstances because Kyle Busch actually was the car that came in first place, crossed the line first. But he failed post-race inspection. Height in the back of the car was either too high or too low. And so Austin Sendrick would be crowned the winner because of that failed inspection. Then later that night, Kyle Busch would win the truck race at Texas. He would hop in the 51 truck and get a win, a dominating win at that. And then on Sunday, the craziness of the NASCAR season continues with Austin Dillon in the three car for RCR going to victory lane at Texas. And they should rename Austin, Texas to Dillon, Texas, because he dominated there late in the race. Late in the race, about 25 to go. He led almost every lap. Some pitch strategy there, but RCR and Austin Dillon are locked into the playoffs. And just coming out today, NASCAR announces there will be no more practice or qualifying for the rest of the season. According to NASCAR Senior Vice President of Competition, Scott Miller, following discussions with our race teams in the broader industry, NASCAR will continue to conduct its race weekends without practice or qualifying for the remainder of the 2020 season, all three national series. He basically goes on to say that this format has worked well enough where they could see um, how this can continue throughout the rest of the season and have something that the champion of this season can do consistently without practice or qualifying, not having time to setups. What do you guys think? I think, especially with the Daytona road course coming up, I, they should be getting some sort of a practice session like they did for the Xfinity cars in Indianapolis. So 
I I understand their logic, but I think right now they need to somehow give them some sort of warm-up session. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of just mixing uh, the competitive standpoint versus viewership standpoint. Obviously, with no practice, no qualifying, it's going to be really good from a viewer standpoint because there's going to be like the Daytona road course. There's probably going to be a lot of wrecks. We saw it with the Roval last year. Even with practice, there are tons of wrecks. And But the competition standpoint is they want to go out there. They want to fine-tune their cars, make sure nothing's broke. We've seen a bunch of like stuff fall out of cars before during the pace laps and allowing making them start on pit road. But I think that they could also do like a one-day show for everything because think, by cup races on Sunday – Xfinity's not there. Truck's not there. Cup is the only thing there. Run a 30-minute practice in the morning. Run two-lap qualifying and then set the field right there. Or even do what F1 does. They have they take their cars out of the garage and drive them around the track before they go and grid. So, I don't know. I think that's a either of those options can work. But every other series is having qualifying and practice. Even ARCA, which is a NASCAR sanctioned series. But... I don't know. It's a hard topic to like kind of get an opinion on, but I think we should definitely have at least some kind of practice or qualifying. Yeah. I'm not very thrilled about this idea of no practice or qualifying. I think it's going to hurt these drivers, especially when you get into the playoffs. Um, You know, I, I read something that one of the NBC analysts of NASCAR said that you have your four drivers for the championship in Phoenix and the first time they'll even get to touch their car before the championship race will be 10 minutes before. I think that is uh, irresponsible by NASCAR. Uh, I think you they're setting themselves up for a lot more technical failures. And what if one of those drivers doesn't get to set up their car and they blow an engine right on the first lap? Or what if the systems are not right? What if uh, they're not getting... Uh, to run the package that they want. I just disagree with it, and I don't think it's very smart by NASCAR, especially, too, you look at the Daytona road course. Never been there, and you want these drivers to get out there without even being able to see, um, you know, what the track's like. I disagree with it, and I think NASCAR will get a lot of uh, outrage over this, and maybe they'll listen to the fans on this one and decide to uh, switch that and go back to it. And Bryson, you and I were talking about this before we started recording about drawing for positions for qualifying. So once they hit the playoffs, does that mean the 16 cars that are in the playoffs are basically guaranteed to start in the front half of the field and based off their speed? So that'll be interesting if they're still going to go off points or, you know, they get to the round of eight or round of four. And then at that point, the top four going to Phoenix are going to guarantee they're going to start in the front half of the field. So. You know, I wish maybe once they hit the playoffs, they get back to qualifying because then that can at least allow them or add that practice session to get ready to actually race more competitively for a championship. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, the drawing is very, it's like a very confusing thing. You don't know what you're really going to get. And let's say you have those drivers 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th, and they have to draw for starting position anywhere back to 24th, up to 13th. I mean, I think that's pretty unfair and that won't let uh, a lot of these drivers be able to really compete and get all the points that they can uh, to protect themselves going into other rounds. So I think think NASCAR needs to think about this a little bit more uh, before they roll with this and they may need to make a, a change here and allow qualifying or practice, maybe not even the full time, just a short amount of time to let these drivers know what they're getting into every week. 
yeah, that uh, I agree with y'all both. That's a, uh, it's a, a kind of stupid, especially once they get to the playoffs. But it, I think we're gonna get like a true champion this year, like a true team instead of having the time for practice. It's what the team builds for you at the shop is gonna come out and perform at Phoenix, and you just gotta have the driver, gotta have the team, you gotta have the whole package in there. So it could create really good championship race. So I, I guess we'll uh, find out later this year. But second point is uh, Brad Kozlowski suggested a system for getting drivers demoted to lower series in response to Quinn Half's incident. The other day, he kind of made a – there's no nice way to say it. It was a stupid move, uh, pulling right down in front of traffic as they were coming on, slammed into the side of them and ended somebody's day trying to get the pit road he tweeted after the race that his mirror was broke on the driver's side. He couldn't see, but there's got to be something going on there. Like, I don't see how a spotter doesn't know that a car is down there. What's y'all's opinions on this new system that Brad Kozlowski suggested? Yeah, to Brad's point, I think that's pretty smart. I think you look at Quinn Hoff. I mean, Starcom Racing doesn't even have the equipment to compete for even a top 30 most of the time. And I, I just think Quinn Hoff, I think for him it would be great. I think for Quinn Hoff he could get some time in a lower series, and not just him, but the other rookie, Brennan Poole for Rick Ware Racing, who uh, their best finish this year has been, you know, 25th, 26th, something like that. Um, and I, I just think it would be very good for these young guys, especially for these teams that would allow them, maybe sponsors to look at that series and give them better equipment and better sponsors So. Um, I, I agree with that. I think that they should have a lower series, and uh, I think it'll be pretty cool to see who will be in there, but my only flaw would be what if a driver has like seven or eight DNFs? Do they get demoted? And so I think there will have to be some clear guidelines, but I think it can work. And what you were talking about with Quinn Hoff, this isn't the first time he's had incidents like this. He's kind of been a pain as far as lap traffic goes the entire season. So I don't know for the system they they give the rookies a, a strict timeline or or maybe the fir- your first couple of years in the top series you're kind of put on probation almost like okay should they even be running do they have the capability at the same time how do you balance they're in really crappy equipment with they're a bad driver I think Quinn Hoff is a victim of both um, just like you were saying Bryson Starcom's barely a top thirty team. And a lot of it has to do with sponsorship because, I mean, these teams are dictated by sponsors. That's probably why Quinn Hoff is in the double zero this year because his sponsors were like, no, let's get him in a cup even if you're not ready. So, you know, I I agree with the system. It's just it's going to be kind of technical with um, how they're going to have to do this. I wish what they had in like NASCAR is kind of like more what they had in Formula One, I feel like I'm relating a lot everything to Formula One, but they have like F4, F3, F2, F1, and people like actually work their way up there. Whereas in Cup, we see, oh, this guy's got a sponsor. Let's put him in Cup. Let's throw him in with the top guys, even though they don't have much experience down low. Like, I don't even know how many Xfinity or truck starts Quinn Halp has before he goes and hops in the Cup. So I think there needs to be more of a, like Brad said, more of a system to work up in the Cup instead of just having money and throwing them into a cup team. And I wonder how much of that is actually just NASCAR trying to fill in slots for the race. So it's like, okay, we could have, let's say 30 cars that are like pretty much on pace, like 
you know, you get towards 30, they get a little bit slower. But anything past 30th, like you're not in half the equipment as the top guys anyways. So how much is that is we're just trying to get more car counts. Uh, it's sponsorship that's really pushing guys to get onto the bigger stage too. Well, on to the last discussion point, something I saw today on an Instagram page that I follow called the NASCAR Report was talking about how Clint Boyer was asked about next year, 2021, will he be back at Stuart Haas? He said he would love to. He would love to retire there, but he has to do better in the car. So this makes me think, does Clint Boyer know that he's on his way out at Stuart Haas Racing? And if so, my question to both of you is, where would he go or who would replace him? And I think this may open up to possibilities of Chase Briscoe, who's had a great year in the Xfinity Series. And maybe if he closes out with a championship, he would get up there. Or would Kyle Larson move to Storthaus Racing and get kind of a second chance? Because we know Tony Stort has a soft spot for him. Or could we have somebody totally unrelated to those guys get that car? And most importantly, where would Clint Boyer fit in next year? I think talking about like the drivers there's always there's going to be the one guy that gets a short end of the stick and loses his ride but then everybody else just kind of falls into place it's like one big puzzle so if clint boyer loses his ride i think the obviously the obvious bet right now is for chase briscoe to move up into that 14 car he's got five wins already this season but then where does clint boyer go i think you look at front row motorsports they went from a three-car team to a two-car team therefore they've worked with Stuart Haas Racing in the past, and I feel like they could open that up. I don't think Corey LaJoy is going anywhere with uh, Go Fast Racing. So it's just a big puzzle, and like Bryson said, Kyle Larson and uh, Tony Stewart are definitely good friends. They race dirt with each other, and Kyle Larson's extremely talented. And seeing him, I think he wins the races every night. He's either finishing first or second. I see it on Twitter all the time. So Kyle Larson would be a really good bet, but Clint Boyer also hasn't performed as well as uh, a lot of suspect uh, yeah, have expected. Uh, he got his win at Martinsville, and I don't know. I don't think he really deserves to be in there. He's just a super marketable guy because he's a funny guy. So uh, I don't know what they can do with him. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets to boot, but uh, I don't know where he'd end up after. I think the 48 and the 14 are going to be the two rides that are really going to determine what happens this silly season and the off season. Because, I mean, we've been talking about 48 rumors for the past couple episodes too, or maybe in past episodes and the 14 now. So, I mean, there's been talk Keselowski. I've heard Bubba. I've heard, you know, Corey LaJoy wrote that letter to Mr. Hendrick. So I think those two, and I don't see Clint Boyer going to the 14, or uh, excuse me, the 48 uh, with Hendrick. Uh, I know, Bryson, you mentioned Richard Childress before the show. You know, I'm, it'd be cool to see him go back, but I think he, I think Boyer's big problem right now is all his sponsors are Stuart Haas related. I mean, when he walked in there, it was Haas. Rush Trucking was already on there with Tony Stewart. Um and I think he has a couple more that that probably couldn't fork up enough for him to get a full-time ride at a top-tier team. So I I honestly don't know. I mean, I like I like Clint Boyer. Um, I'd like to see him stay. But, I mean, Kyle Larson is, I think, a very top candidate just because Tony Stewart's talked about he wants to hire him in the past. 
You know, I think something we haven't even talked about, Clint Boyer to Chip Ganassi Racing in the 42 could be a possibility if they don't want to put all their chips on Ross Chastain just yet. Um, and then I think you look at uh, definitely front row, maybe the 36, uh, or uh, he fills in maybe in the 34, Michael McDowell. You don't know how long he's got there. So uh, Or Richard Childress Racing. You know, I think he could go there and maybe drive the 31 or, uh, whatnot, but you know, we'll see, and I think uh, it'll be pretty interesting as we move into uh, rookie rundown. So, so moving on to rookie rundown, uh, pretty good weekend for one rookie. The rest of the rookies kind of struggled. Um, you had Tyler Reddick coming in second, uh, which was a really good run. You have uh, Christopher Bell, 21st, John Hunter Nemechek, 22nd. Uh, you have Brandon Poole, 27th, Quinn Hoff, 34th, and Cole Custer, 39th. Cole Custer was caught up in a wreck. Pretty crazy. One week goes from winning. The next week he goes to second to last. So it was uh, not a great week for the rookies, but Tyler Reddick, once again, shows out, and he could have won that race. And so it was really good to see RCR 1-2 for the first time since 2011, and Tyler Reddick was second. Watching yesterday's race, I uh... – always thought back on what me and you talked about, Bryson. I think it was an episode when Ben was in uh, South Dakota, or one of those states out there that doesn't exist. <laughs> but uh, uh, we talked about how we like rooting for teams and uh, wanting to see teams succeed that we used to see back in the day, like back when we were really young. And seeing Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick won one too. gosh, that made me so happy. Seeing the three-car back to victory lane, seeing Tyler Reddick succeed, it's just – I don't know. I love seeing RCR succeed, and after watching how they how poorly they did last year, it's just it's good to see them back and contending to win races. Because if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't Austin, Reddick was right there on his back bumper, and they were pulling away from the field. So uh, really strong cars. It feels like every week, and gonna be a sh- uh, shot to win every week. Well, now here to wrap up the show, we're going to be giving our picks for, we have a cup race, an ARCA race, two truck races, and an Xfinity race at Kansas. Uh, cup race, I'm going with Kozlowski. I'm going to keep it going. NASCAR has been crazy with Custer and Dylan winning. Ryan Newman wins it on pitch strategy for our, uh, Roush Fenway Racing, RFR. Second place last year at Kansas, Alex Bowman finds victory lane. On the ARCA, I'm going with Ty Gibbs. He's an absolute hot streak right now, and I think he's going to get her done again. My pick for uh, Kansas is going to be Haley Deegan. I'm going to go Michael Self. I feel like that's my only ARCA pick, but uh, he's so strong on these bigger tracks, it's hard not to pick him to win. And for the first truck race, I'm going with Tyler Ankrum. Grant Enfinger's who I'm going with. Austin Hills looked really strong this year. I think he's going to find another checkered flag this year or this week. And for truck number two, I'm going with Tyler Ankrum's teammate, Brett Moffitt. I think he's going to get his first win of the season. Rafael Lazard, first career win for KBM. Christian Eckes almost held off team owner Kyle Busch last week. He finishes one spot better this week. He finishes first. And finally, on the Xfinity race, I'm going with Mr. Wrecking Maniac himself, Noah Gregson. The goat. Anyways, I'm going to go with Michael Annette. That's right. Mr. Consistency is going to get to victory lane. 
I'm going to keep the Junior Motorsports trend alive. Justin Allgaier finds victory lane for the first time this season. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for the Burning It Down Racing Podcast. We thank you so much for turning in, and we hope you listen next time. Thanks again. <laughs>